When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Auburn Undercover podcast. My name is Nathan King, Auburn beat writer for AuburnUndercover.com, and this is uh, one of the most important shows we've done all year, one of the newsiest, most significant uh, podcasts of the season of the year, um, because it's a new day for Auburn football. Uh, it's, uh, they've, they've moved on from Gus Malzahn now. Obviously, anybody listening to this knows that um, the program will now be looking for its 27th head coach, I believe, 27th, 28th, something like that. Um, after eight seasons of Malzahn and uh, you know, we'll get into the coaching search stuff a little bit later. We'll have another podcast out on Wednesday um, kind of diving a little bit into the candidates, but you know, it's, it's only, it's been less than a day, less than 24 hours as we record this right now um, since Auburn parted ways with Gus Malzahn. And uh, there's nobody who covers the team or probably covers any team um, that has been better connected and, and, and knows the coaches over the years and has seen so many different coaches than Philip Marshall Um what number what number coach was was Gus that you covered are you trying to say I'm old that's is that not what I'm saying I'm trying to say you are veteran and experienced <laughs> and you are sage all of the, uh, at Auburn all the uh, coach Jordan coach Barfield coach Dye uh Terry Bowden you want to count Bill Oliver uh Tommy Butterville Jay Chizik Gus Malzahn. See, look at that. When you run through it, it I, was, I was setting you up to show how, how extensive your knowledge is. Um, so as we just kind of sit here, I mean, yesterday was, yesterday was a lot about the, the coaching carousel now, and it was a lot about the search, and it was a lot about who the new head coach is going to be. Um, but to me, it was just as much about people sort of – and it's funny, I, I feel like some of the same people who maybe wanted Gus gone um, were the same people who were, who were very sentimental about it on Sunday. And there, and, and there was good reason to do so because um, for everything Gus Malzahn was when he had his faults and when he had his mishaps at Auburn um, and, what, and everything that ultimately led to his downfall, he is one of the most successful coaches in program history um, for a lot of different reasons. And he won some huge, huge games over the year. Um, Philip, just again, as, as somebody who has covered so many different coaches and has seen the different types of leaders Auburn has had over the years, um, what will you remember most about Gus Malzahn, the person as Auburn's coach and, and also the kind of coach that he was on the field and, and the kind of games he was able to win over the years? You know, Gus Malzahn's a paradox and has been. Uh, he, uh, he is certainly uh, his player. He cared a great deal for his players and they knew it and, and they cared back. Uh, that's his credit. Here, you know, Gus came to Auburn 
at a maybe the most difficult time of any coach. I mean, when you look back, Dye, Dye came to Auburn as Bryant was going out at Alabama. Tuberville beat Alabama six straight times when Alabama was in complete turmoil. Uh, had postseason bans and uh, uh, four of the six teams that that uh, four of the six teams that Dye beat, I mean, that Tuberville beat had losing records. Four of the six Alabama teams had losing records or break-even record. So Malzahn came here just as Nick Saban was hitting his stride. He just as Georgia hired Kirby Smart, and it's a very difficult, very difficult time. Auburn scheduled, and Auburn was also playing Clemson and and Oregon and whoever. Uh, it was uh, a very very difficult time to be Auburn's coach in that respect. And he won a, a lot of the. I mean, he beat he beat three number one teams. That's uh, that's and he beat two of them in a three week period. He beat Saban more than anybody. He did not have a losing season in eight years. And no Auburn coach ever started his career with eight straight winning seasons, Auburn career. So all those things certainly should matter and should have mattered and do matter. But on the other hand, he, uh, he did not – the difference between – how his teams played in those rival games at home and on the road was just so striking. It was just almost inexplicable. Uh, uh, you know, he scored, no, he never scored more than one touchdown at Georgia. He usually got blown out in Tuscaloosa. Uh, yet back home, I mean, he scored it at least once. He scored in the forties against all those teams. So that, that was a problem. Uh, I think that it became difficult because, to a large extent, because it just wasn't his personality to to reach out and connect with people he needed to connect to. He certainly uh, he certainly was able to connect with players, but building the support system you need. I mean, he didn't like he didn't like speaking. And he spent the whole time he was here trying to reduce the amount of time he spent doing it. He, uh, he, he just wasn't, that just wasn't his personality. I'm not sure he could help it. And, but it hurt him in the end because you come to a time where you need friends and you look around and you don't have any. And, uh, uh, but what, whether he should have, should not have whatever been fired. No, I, that's not for me to say, but, uh, um, but it was an unusual situation. I, I will say that, and and uh, I don't fret for him because he's <laughs> he's getting paid a whole lot not to coach for the next two or three years if he doesn't want to, and uh, he's made a whole lot of money as Auburn's head coach. But with that money comes an awful lot of awful lot of pressure in an awfully difficult situation, and uh, and. That's usually how it ends. Not very many people leave on their own terms. Yep. Yeah, well, if one thing – I mean, one thing's been apparent over the past 12 hours um, has just been the, the outpouring of, of love and support for Gus, like you said, from the players. Um, 
like I, I think that's a good point is that that's not you know there's going to be there's going to be some complicated things when you look back on Gus's career because he did raise the floor at Auburn a lot and their their ceiling was that of a championship contender there's there's no doubting that um but in terms of an off the field guy um someone who was definitely loved by the players I mean as much as any coach I've seen um and I know a lot of people say as much as as much as an Auburn coach has been for yeah, I'm not been sure people realized how much uh yeah most of the players cared about him uh mm-hmm. and uh you know, it's another harsh lesson for those players about this thing they're this game they're playing. Uh, it's uh, it's 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 brutal. <laughs> it's yeah. uh, they're learning uh, it's a business. Yeah, even exactly. in a place like Auburn that 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 values yeah. family so much. Uh, yeah, exactly. Still a business. And uh, I think that uh, I think that Gus. You know, obviously his his uh, he had difficulty. He he came here as an offensive guru, and immediately just went crazy, uh, scoring points. And but then it became very it, it became a lot harder, and uh, uh, and it just didn't seem it wasn't consistent. It didn't seem, and it just didn't never seem comfortable. And he was. He was calling plays, and then he wasn't calling plays, and then he was calling plays again, then he wasn't calling plays. Honestly, I've never seen anything quite like that, the going back and forth on that. <clears throat> and and then, the you know, the big contract actually, it helped him from the standpoint he's going to get $20 million, but it hurt his hurt. It definitely hurt his standing with the, with the, Fans because they, they it was immediately well if we, you're gonna get paid like that then you need to have those kind of results right and uh and you, and you didn't and uh but you know it's to find somebody to come in here and, and I don't care who you hire the the uh it's still gonna be really really hard to win in Tuscaloosa and really really yeah. hard to win in Athens and uh and really really hard to keep people happy Yep. That's a, that's, that about sums up the Auburn job right there. I think a lot of people, and you do a good job of bringing it up every time we've talked about Gus over the past few weeks, um, kind of summarizing it is that it's not people on the outside will kind of look at what he did over the years and how successful he's going to be and, or how successful he was. And I think that's going to lead to him having opportunities at another power five job, but people from outside of Auburn will look at the wins and the wins against top five teams and the, the SEC contention. But it wasn't recently, I guess, since about 2018. Um, it wasn't the number of games lost. It was kind of the way they were being lost. Um, right. and even, even the way they were winning sometimes. Um, yes. Like you said, especially yes, on the includes, offensive side. Of the and that includes some really, really bad losses, too. Uh, yeah. But in that time period, you're talking about especially Tennessee at home and, mm-hmm. and, South and out South, at South Carolina this season. There's just no way you should, you should ever lose those games. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, he he almost had the most disastrous loss ever in 2015 against Jacksonville State. Uh, really should have lost, to be honest with you. And uh, uh, but uh, but it was just never. He just like it was like he never. He just never connected with the people he needed to connect it to, to 
to connect to. And uh, uh, another coach at another school who's familiar with Auburn said, there's about five people you need to keep happy if you're the head coach at Auburn. And Gus hadn't got any of them. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but I mean, it's a political, look, it's everywhere. You think it's bad at Auburn, go to Texas, where there's a whole bunch of it. There's just more of it. And, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's, uh, but you have to play that game if you're going to be successful. You just yep. have to. And, yep. uh, and I don't think Gus was ever very good at playing that game. Gus Malzahn was rather, would rather, uh, I've, I always said this, I always said that all Gus Malzahn wanted to do was go into work every day, coach football, go home and sit on his rocking chair and drink sweet tea with Christy. That is, I think you're right. That is literally what he wanted to do. Um, there was, and there, again, I will, I will stick to it. There, there was a really big portion of the fan base um, and now, and now it's, it, I think it's grown because hindsight is 2020 and people get sentimental um, of people who really, really love that about Gus um, because that fit Auburn in a certain way of just being oh, kind yeah. of the, the down to earth guy. But then there's another portion, um, I think kind of talking about the sort of killer instincts, I guess. Um, I don't want to say win at all costs because I hate when people say that, but I, I guess I just can't really find another way to, to say that, um, you know, like you said, he, he wasn't exactly doing everything that he needed to do to get the program there. But like, but again, like you said, um, it's tough. I mean, at Auburn, this is a job that whoever comes in is going to play the same teams every year. Um, and at a greater scale is going to be met with the same pressures. Um, no question. I mean, the, the, no like question. you said, that small group of people, which that's a good point that it's kind of the same thing at bigger, at other schools. It's just a bigger, it's here. It's small. That small group of people is not going away. Um, you know, they're still very involved with football, whether they know what they're doing, know what they're talking about, whether they know what they're looking at or not. Um, that's not going to go away. And so whoever Auburn makes with this next hire, I think what Gus Melzon did in his eight years, the floor was very high, decently high. The fact that you never had a losing season, the first time Auburn's ever gone seven straight years, eight straight years, being in the top 25 every year, never having a losing season for eight straight years. And their ceiling was competing for a championship. Um, so I don't know if necessarily in the next few years. I don't know. I don't know what you think about this. Prop, um, but with the next head coach, I mean, I don't know how long the pressure would would take to set in. But I think Not they're, long. yeah, Not long. I, I think they're they're thinking right now. You're looking at Gus and and what you how you made that decision, and you're thinking we need to get to that level soon. Um, whether that's something realistic or not. Um, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't know if this would be a situation where you look at a guy for two years and say, okay, well, he's got about two years to kind of bottom out a little bit and then get things figured out. Or if it's a situation where in year two, this next head coach goes, you know, six and six, if we're talking about doing the same thing over again. I don't well, know. If you do that, if you do that, you're taking a real – you look at schools that have done that, sort of shuffling through coaches. That's not a, that is not a recipe for success. I mean – LSU, who has about every advantage you can have, had seven, seven or eight losing seasons in 11 years before Saban went there. Uh, uh, see where Tennessee is now. Uh, that's just not, that's not the way to do it. And that actually could have been an argument for keeping Gus and the, the, just the continuity of the whole thing. But there were, but there were the issues that were there weren't going away, and uh, uh, I really, 
it, it was really kind of interesting to watch how fast it it kind of happened. I, I don't think that, uh, you know, there was always a, a, a undercurrent of, of unhappiness with, with, with Gus, always. Sure. And, uh, but we'll see what happens because sometimes you might say, be careful what you wish for. And uh, that's what a bunch of Auburn players said yesterday. I'm not yeah. saying that's the case, but, but we'll see. Yeah. When do you think, I mean, without spoiling our next podcast, I guess, um, or spoiling too much anything, I don't know. When, I mean, there was always kind of this feeling, like you said, when do you think this year kind of reached a point where those talks became serious? Was it South Carolina? Was it the Iron Bowl? Was it Texas A&M? Was it the, did it have anything to do with the solid year comment? What, 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 what did you think was kind of the point where well, maybe I things started that, to get uh, a little rocky? Uh, actually, kind of the, going to the back first, the solid year comment actually had a lot to do with it. And that's, that's amazing yeah. to say. It shouldn't have, but it did. And Gus should have known better than to say it. And that's, that's the kinds of things that, that, that frustrated people who, who wanted Gus to succeed is that he never could bring himself to, to say, hey, this was, this, this was bad. This was my fault. And uh, we're going to do everything we can to keep from happening again. Instead, it was always something like the, the solid year thing. Yeah. And look, when, when a coach gets up there and says, the head coach gets up there after a game and says, this was all my fault, I don't for one second believe he means it. <laughs> but, but the fans like to hear it. So you need to say yeah. it. If he had said after the 17 nothing Texas A&M fourth quarter, yeah. I blew it. I coached a terrible fourth quarter. Yeah, exactly. Like maybe people would respond. Would respect. I think, that. but other than that, that comment, but I think it started with South Carolina this year, uh, and then, I, well, I take that back. I think it started with Georgia, uh, getting dominated by Georgia over there, and then that then lose to South Carolina, and then the fact that you got dominated by Georgia, and then got dominated by Alabama. Kind of both that, that that's kind of stacked on top of each other, and uh, of course it, it, they had a, a great win over LSU just because of the way they played and, um, and 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 the score of the game, but they didn't get much credit for that because LSU turned out not to be very good and uh, and they didn't beat any team with winning records, and so but I think the LSU strangely enough. I think after the Alabama game, there was a, yeah, but because, because the truth is Alabama has beaten everybody like that. Yeah, they'll like probably beat Florida like that on Saturday. They're going to beat Florida like that next Saturday. That's exactly right. But, uh, uh, but then he had a, and he did a, they, well, he, the players, all the coaches, did a great job of getting themselves ready to play against Texas A&M, I thought, because I thought they played hard. But then to lose it the way you did by getting outscored 17 to nothing in the fourth quarter, and then what he said after the game, I really thought at that point that he was in real trouble. From what I was hearing, I thought he was in real trouble, and obviously he was. Yep. And I, I didn't think that the Mississippi State game was going to make any difference, whatever happened, and it wasn't. 
That was my next. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, because I remember last week you and I talking about how much that was really, whether it was make or break or not, but you, and you said, nah. Yeah. Like, have, uh, any sort of, have any sort of impact uh, on it? It's, uh, it's always unfortunate. It's, always, it's never fun to see, see coach get lose his job and other coaches lose their jobs as a result. And, but they, they know what they're getting into. And Gus will be, you know, he'll be able to rub by on his $60 million he's made forward. So, uh, uh, I think it's, uh, it is, you know, we'll see where it goes from here. This is a tough, tough deal now. I mean, it's, uh, uh, they don't want to spend a lot of money, relatively speaking. And, yeah. It's just, uh, I, you know, I, I, I've, I've said on our board, I don't really understand the vitriol directed at Kevin Steele. I think he's a, a really good coach who could hire a really good staff and would probably do a really good job. But what does re- a really good job amount to? Well, I mean, does that, is that going eight and four every year? Because yep. that's what you've been doing. Right. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a difficult challenge for whoever takes it. I, and I just, you know, I think the pool is limited for a lot of reasons. One being how many guys, how many coaches really want to come here and take on what you got to take on here with Alabama, Georgia, LSU. I mean, it's uh Texas A&M now. And, uh, I mean, not that you don't have the resources to do it, but it's 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 just tough. It's very tough, and uh, and then very and the expectations are going to stay high. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, that like you said, there's it's scary for some, for some coaches maybe to look at the the task at hand right now in the SEC. But at the same time, I mean, but money is too. <laughs> It's, it's where the money is and it's where you can yep. grow your reputation yep. and, and become one of That's the big great. boys um, in the sport. So Philip did a good job of teasing it um, tomorrow on Wednesday, as we record this on, make sure I have my days correct. No, this is Monday. Yes. It's Monday. Right? Today's Monday. That's we record this on Monday. I don't leave the house. Often. <laughs> um, as we record this on Monday, on Tuesday, we will have another edition of the podcast talking a little bit about the candidates that are maybe, um, floating around the top right now, which ones would be good for Auburn, which ones uh, maybe have some cons to them. We'll, we'll kind of break it down a little bit. So thank you guys so much for listening um, to this edition of the Auburn Undercover podcast today. Please go and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to it. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a review. Tell us what you like, what you didn't like, and uh, we will catch you guys soon. Thanks for